Thank you so much. Several of you could come yesterday and be a part of our prayer walk um, for our nation. and uh, It was a blessing, um, and I thank you that we're able to come. Some of you weren't able to walk, but you were here when we started and here when we got back, and some of you had to leave earlier, but I know your prayers were with us. I know some of you couldn't come, but you thought of us. Um, we had some other churches represented, and I, I was encouraged by a comment of one of the local pastors from another denomination who told me uh, he appreciated us doing it. And I told him, I, I was almost apologizing, I said, you know, we did not advertise it, and uh, it was kind of an impromptu, and it really was. Um, I appreciate the church. It was the church's idea, really not mine. I can't take credit for it. I wish I could. Uh, but um, he told me this. He said, what we need is a lot less advertisement and more prayer. And I think he's right. I told him I appreciate that. I think so many times when, in this mode of religion, we've tried to promote what we want people to think of us and say and do, and we miss the very heart of the gospel is Jesus Christ and a personal communion with the Lord. But it was a blessing time. We had some special music we didn't have planned for. Um, some fella, I, so sorry, I don't remember his name, played for us down at the courthouse when we got there. Um, and uh, it is well with my soul. He played that for us. And Anyway, thank you, and thank you for thinking about us, and maybe we can do it again. There were multitudes of people yesterday. One of the things that uh, increased my joy and that my daughter Jennifer and her family were in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the walk there, and she was able to FaceTime us on the walk. So we were able to join in with their walk from the Washington, from the mall, and see the thousands upon thousands gathered there. It was just so uplifting and encouraging. You probably won't see much media coverage of things like that, but, but it's powerful, and, and God was lifted up, and we, we just uh, are uh, rejoicing, and I pray that the Lord will hear our prayers and um, increase our faith and cause our nation to humble ourselves more than we ever have before. And I think we're getting that way. I think there's more hunger and thirst for God now than I've noticed in a long time. And I thank you for being a part of the prayers and the petitions and the witness for God. So thank you. Um, the prayer list, uh, just briefly, I know you've scanned it on the, on the screen already. Uh, Denise Brown, still uh, we added Denise. She, though, has been a part of our prayers for a couple of weeks. Um, be in prayer for Denise. She'll still be planning her heart procedure, uh, we assume, by the Berman Sister Dot. Uh, we added Harry Tankersley, it's for the Alan Tankersley's father. Be in prayer for him. Uh, also, we added Brian Howell. Sandra asked to add him. He's hoping to get a liver transplant. Uh, been very, very sick, and we pray that the Lord would bless in that way. Brother Jerry uh, informed me Sister Myra came through her procedure really well, and she's progressing, and we're going to hope and pray that's right, as well as we understand Brother Lindsay. We hope Brother Lindsay Walker is still improving, and uh, Brother Hugh Deal. And so we could go over the whole list, but uh, I thank you so much for praying for one another, and so may the Lord bless us to rejoice and thank him for his many blessings uh, in our days. Right now we'll have a, Brother Jason will come and do that for us. Thank you, sir. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do come before you and give you thanks and praise for this Lord today. We do thank you, Father, for the privilege and opportunity to be here. And we just pray for Brother Randy this morning. May you give him the words to speak. May he be the mouthpiece of your spirit. But also that uh, you give us teachable hearts and that we'd apply uh, the things that we learn here today. And uh, we just thank you for your, your grace, your goodness, and just all the provisions that we receive each and every day. May we just bring glory to you in all that we do. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Hymn number 478. We'll sing all verses. Take my moments and my days. 
Come on down. Come on, Matthew. Come on. All right, we're going to let you sit right here by Casey. There we go. Good morning. It's great to see y'all this morning. Uh, let me see here. Mm, Emma and Kate, is that right? Okay. Y'all come right up here. I need y'all to help me real quick this morning. So, when you ever, when somebody ever asks you to help, and then the first thing they do is tell you to close your eyes and don't open them, you might get a little nervous, huh? Don't be nervous. This is just an experiment, okay? So I need y'all to close your eyes just a minute. Turn around and look out here. Because what I want you to do, do y'all like sweet and sour stuff? Okay, okay, good. So, close your eyes and don't open them. Close your eyes. No peeking. So we got a little experiment. We're going to see if they can tell what is sweet and what is sour. Okay, I'm going to let you put that in your mouth. I'm going to let you put that in your mouth. And let's see. Can... So how does yours taste? Sweet or sour? Do you have taste buds? Okay. So you say sweet. No, no, yours is sweet. Your taste buds are opposite. How about yours? How did yours taste? Sweet. Well, hers is really sour, too. So thank you all so much. Y'all have a seat. Whoo, that really worked good. So let me tell you something. I'm going to read here out of Job, and it says, Yet his food in his stomach turns sour. If your food in your stomach turns sour, you're going to be sick. And it said it comes, uh, becomes cobra venom within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them up again. God casts them out of his belly. That doesn't sound very nice or good, does it? Sour. Do we want to walk around with a sour face on us all the time? No, because sourness makes us look sad or 
worried or upset. We don't, it, it, we, people can't see the love in us. And we want to share love and faith and happiness. So we want to be what? Sweet or sour? Oh, goodness. Great answer. Sweet. We want to be sweet. And I'm going to flip over to Psalms. And it says, For you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Have any of you ever ate honey? Honey is very sweet, isn't it? But what I'm getting at is we all want to be sweet. We all want to be able to go out in school and in the community and share God's word. And if we're sharing God's word and we're talking about what Jesus has done in our lives, well, we're not going to have a long, sour face, are we? Anybody, uh, you know what I should have brought? Why didn't I think about it? I should have brought a lemon. Does anybody eat lemons? Can you, can you smile and have a happy face while you're sucking on a sour lemon? Lemonade. I knew somebody was going to tell me something different. But, so, I got each of you a little bag here. And, you know, it doesn't matter now if, if it's sour or sweet. Your taste buds might be the opposite of mine um, or the opposite of most everybody's. So, there you go, Matthew. So, what I want you to do is when you're eating, well, you don't have to eat them right this minute. But when you do eat them and you taste the sweetness, that's probably what most of you prefer. Right? Except you like sour. And it's okay if we like sour. That's the difference. Nobody is exactly the same. But remember, let's go out into the community and go out into our schools and let's show our sweetness. Let's show our love. Let's show our happiness for Jesus. Okay? So, um, Anderson, you want to help me pray? I knew you would. Come on. <clears throat> All right, Anderson's going to pray. Here, turn around right here. All right, let's close our eyes. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Todd, Brother Chris, Bama. I wanted to also add in our announcements that... Uh, uh, be in prayer for the family of Hugh Hotskis, that's Brother Leo's family, and passed away 60 years old, so be in prayer for family of Hugh Hotskis. And also, uh, I'm as really uh, glad to see my cousin Penny and her husband, husband Steve with us today. They're from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, they'll be traveling down to Hinesville the next day or so for a funeral for a family there, but uh, I'm just really honored that they would come by and join us today. Thank you all. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12? I got to tell you, this, this message, I don't know if it's anything God will have to do something with it, but uh, it's one of those deals where I studied all week pretty much for something else. You know, I've been in a theme of glory, God's glory, and I, I plan to go back to that, the Lord willing, looking for God's glory, I think we're calling it. Uh, but I've I don't know, maybe Thursday night. I just, I just got away from that, and, and God led me to these scriptures. I trust it's from Him. Uh, but it's kind of a, a mesh of, um, of our responsibility as believers, uh, but also incorporated with our patriotism uh, for America. Maybe, maybe this walk and prayers in Washington and all prompted it, and maybe it's the mess that we see on TV all the time. I don't know. But I can tell you we're, we're in trouble as a nation, and uh, we need to ask God to really, really help us and strengthen us in it. I know that you're concerned about it, and I know that, that you have families, and we all do, and we're concerned for a lot of reasons, uh, but I do pray that God would bless us to see the, the merit of it. I think 1 Corinthians 12, I'm just you, uh, not 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, these two verses I think gives us a peace 
and uh, optimism, uh, and I think we can even do it with joy. You know, the Apostle Paul, and I've been reading Acts just in my Bible grazing time in the mornings, uh, was probably the most hated man uh, in all of Scripture other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I think he was hated more than people hate Donald Trump, our president, I really do. Uh, they were people in Acts that said they were not even asleep to uh, Apostle Paul was, was killed. I mean, he just was whipped, he was scourged, he was imprisoned. Uh, yet, you know what, he had so much joy. He, he's the writer, by the way, of this particular epistle to the Romans. And so I, I, just, I just wanted to say that so we can understand that. What I want to try to do today is, is um, think about our responsibility as citizens of the United States of America, but most primarily as Christians, uh, and your role in that. Uh, I think about it like this in a way. Uh, in Genesis 18, you remember God was going to destroy Sodom. And he told Abraham that that's what he was going to do. And Abraham said to him, said, well, are you going to des destroy the wicked with the righteous or the righteous with the wicked? And, and he went on to say, you remember in Genesis 18, God, he says, well, if there's 50 righteous, would you preserve the nation? And God says, yes, there's 50 righteous, I'll save it. Then uh, 40 goes on down to 10. And God says for 10 he would. And then that's the end of a conversation. You know God destroyed it. What I say that for is I think there's an implication there that God looks upon us as a nation. God is a God of nations. And uh, he is a God that, that rules the nation. He says in Isaiah that all the nations are to him as a drop in the bucket. Uh, but he uses nations he uses the Roman nation to pave roads so that his gospel would be, would be uh, have free course uh, in the days of Jesus Christ. He has a purpose in all the nations, and certainly we trust he's using the United States of America as a nation uh, to bless him. It's a bit amazing to me that Columbus discovered America, and I understand from history that Columbus's voyage was, was financed primarily by Jews. And so what, I, what I'm saying in that, you understand that, that, that Columbus himself was a Jewish, kind of a Jewish, uh, had a Jewish background. And you think about how the United States, God has used this country to serve Israel, protect Israel, that little nation. And God has a great purpose in that. It's amazing. I, I've been reading about Joseph in the Old Testament in Egypt and how God used Egypt, that nation, to preserve uh, God's own people, the Israelites. And yet they went in bondage there. They forgot about Joseph, and they forgot about the God that delivered them. And, and I think right now, though, America, when I think about America, I think we're right at a tipping point, don't you? I really do. And it's a very, very serious situation, and I think we've taken a lot for granted. I know I have. And uh, I pray that, though, as God looks upon us, he'll see our individuality as believers, uh, because you are a priesthood. You are priests. You have, are as much of a priest as a believer now as Melchizedek. You are. Uh, First Peter says that, that we, are, we have a spiritual priesthood. And so let's don't neglect what we're called to do. And so I pray that these verses, these two, will help us uh, to do that. It says, uh, verse 1 and 2, Romans 12. The apostle says, I beseech you therefore. In other words, I'm going to beg you. Now in the Old Testament, you're going to find a lot of commandments. But this is, this is uh, a begging. I beseech you, therefore. And when you see that word, therefore, you've got to understand that's something before it. What's before it is God's mercy. What God is about to tell us is what we ought to do, what we can do for God, and really for ourselves and one another and for our country. Now, the first 11 chapters of Romans, God has showed us what he has done for us. That is, he's brought us out of nature's darkness, that we're all sinners, that we have no righteousness of our own. But God loved you in that state. He says in places like Romans 5 that before we were, we, we were, he loved us when we were sinners. He loved us when we were enemies. Uh, he loved us. That's God's everlasting, unconditional agape love. Uh, we see in Romans how God brings us to understand that by his predestinating grace. We see that God's ways or not our ways but we see his mercy 
And we see in Romans 9, uh, verse 23, that we have been made vessels of mercy. And what a blessing to understand that. And may God help us now to do something with the lives on earth that God has given us, ever long we have left, that we would testify that we are truly appreciative of what God has done for us. So the first part of Romans, the first uh, 11 chapters, talk about what God has done for us, what God has given us, actually. And we haven't deserved it. It's mercy and it's grace. And then this verse, these two verses in Romans 12 is about what we ought to give to God. And the deal is, you'll never ever outgive God. You never will. Don't ever try to outgive God. I mean, you can try, but you'll never do it. God will always give you more. And so here's what God is telling us. I beseech you, therefore, because of what's happened before this, brethren. Now notice he says brethren. Now that means that there's a prerequisite to following this and, and carrying this out is you're, the, you're born again. You're a believer. You're a Christian. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you're a, a primitive Baptist or a Methodist or a Baptist or Episcopalian. Doesn't mean whether you're black or white or yellow or green. What it matters is what's in your heart, okay? The virtue and the grace that's in your heart that God has written his law and your commandment and you have a great tendency. It's not so much these verses I'm going to read next. It's not about uh, necessarily what you do, but why you do it. See, that's, that's important. Why you do it? Why are you here today? Why do you serve God? Why are you willing to present your body as a living sacrifice, which we're about to see? Is it, is it what motivation is it? It ought to be because of God's mercy and how God has prompted us by his great and glorious Holy Spirit. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and that acceptable and perfect will of God. May God help us and bless us. What I'm going to try to see now or uh, show is from these verses, I've entitled my message, American Sacrifice. This is about sacrifice. But how do we apply that in our role as Americans that God has given us in this country? Uh, I don't have to tell you that God is greatly under attack uh, from the liberal left. He really is. And we need to be prepared for a more uh, intense attack, if you will. But also to understand, I would like to say it in three ways or three points. I'm going to use an acronym acronym that really helps me in my little mind to remember it. I'm going to use a patriotic thing. Now you can have patriotism in September, can't you? I know Hallmark movies do Christmas in July. I know that for sure. So why can't we do a patriotic message for just a moment today? And I want to use the acronym USA. USA. And why I want to use that is I want you and me to be able to think about it in our lives from this day on, I want you to be able to take this home with you and, and be able to say, you know, what is an American sacrifice? Well, we got to say, what is USA? Number one, the U means under God. Under God. Now, I want you to look in your Bibles to verse 36 of Romans 11, the verse just preceding what I just read to you. Here's what it says. For of him, now that's God, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now we need to say, first of all, as an American, as certainly a believer, or really all nations, that we're under God. Now God is sovereign and God is supreme, and we need to lift him up. But we need to understand there's a fight to do that. There is. And some of you are probably more familiar with this than I am. I had to kind of read up on it. But in 2002, the Ninth District of the, of the, of the Appeals Court wanted to take out um, 
under God from our pledge of allegiance to the flag. You remember that? And they would have done it. They would have done it. It was ruled. It never was ruled by the Supreme Court that the, that the under, uh, um, under God was constitutional, but because of a procedural uh, process, uh, they didn't rule on it. But, but we can be sure it's coming again. You see, see the deal with, the deal with in this government, we understand that, that there's a fight to take God out of everything. That's why the, the monuments, you know why they all detect on that? Because there's so much God in them. I mean, the Lincoln Memorial refers to God in, what is that, that uh, second inaugural address, which is, which is stamped there on the Lincoln Memorial, uh, refers to God 14 or more times. Uh, quotes two scriptures from the Bible. I mean, you know why they want to tell the monument down? Because that, they, that's, that's God. That's God. Every one of them refers to God. And people, there's people in this world that hate God. And they want to take it out. And so what we got to first of understand is, is we need to understand that we got to be under God. Under God. That means that God is, is, is in charge. That, that we're ruling under him. I got this little book I pulled out of my library. You hadn't read in a long time that Newt Gingrich wrote. It's called Rediscovering God in America. It's a neat little book, but I just want to quote from some of the monuments from Washington, D.C. that kind of a walkthrough, just briefly. I'm not going to get into it, but my, my point is I deal with this, therefore. I mean, we need to understand that when you, when you understand what our founding fathers believed and, and why we are where we are today and the freedoms that we have, you've you got to understand it come from God. Because if God knows when those sparrow falls, you can be sure there'll not a nation rise without him. They won't. I mean, all of our freedoms uh, and, and, and our rights come from God. That's where it comes from. Uh, here's, uh, here's on the, uh, the National Archives. The God governs, I'm just going to read these quotes. This is from Benjamin Franklin. God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice... It is probable that an empire cannot rise without his aid. Now, listen from, uh, here's one I just, uh, from the Washington Monument. It is the duty of all nations, all nations, to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God and obey his will. Um, and then here's uh, the Jefferson Memorial. God, who gave us life, gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? And I think there's just one more I wanted to cite uh, from this book and from the monuments. Is, um, if I can get to it. Lincoln Memorial. I am profitably engaged in reading the Bible. Take all of this book upon reason that you can in the balance of faith and you will live and die a better man. I just wanted to pass that understanding that, that this nation, and I'm not telling you something you don't know, but I think we need to, as this book title, rediscover that in our lives, to be revived in knowing that this nation was built upon God, upon his word. And there's a lot of God's people multiplying means in this nation today. And they're praying. And there's a lot of good politicians. It's been amazing to me. When I went up to Atlanta, when Brother Bob Lane was up there and asked me to do a devotional, and, and I was there with the, with the legislators, and I remember uh, they had prayer every day. Uh, when Sarah was over at Auburn, uh, we met at one of her classmates. father was uh, with a representative in Washington, D.C., and I got to visit with him some. And he said, you know, you know we pray every day. We have a Bible study. And I know a lot of this goes on. You don't hear about that. But it's something that we need to encourage and bless God in it, that we see that, that we're, we're under God. And, and these next verses bring us to that point of, of how we show that, how we flesh that out in our lives as believers, that, that we're under God. And uh, I pray that God would bless it. You know, it's, it's the battle. It's a battle. And, and we, need to, we need to be praying. We need to pray for our leaders and those in authority. We do. Uh, 
We need to pray that they, their hearts would be turned. We need to pray that God would give us a greater understanding. And I pray that if we do, as, as the apostle um, prompts us to do, understanding that we're under God, because this mercy of God is so amazing, that you realize that it's such and such a blessing that God has not given us the wrath that we deserve. That's what mercy means. God has spared us. You know, I never, never, ever, I never, ever anymore, and I'm, I'm still not where I need to be, but, but I'm less likely to condemn anybody now for any kind of thing. Uh, no matter how sinful it might look, I mean, you know, you need to call it like it is because that's what God says, but you need to do it in love. Because I'm going to tell you, I know I could be the same way. And you could too if it wasn't for the mercy of God because everybody in this room deserves to go to hell. You do. To live there eternally. You know what that means? That's where we deserve to go. I know I do. But I'm going to tell you this. God, by his mercy, has changed your course. God, by his mercy, has looked down from heaven and lifted you up out of those piry pits. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. If you confess those and you believe the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you, God's going to love you. You're going to be with him in heaven forever. And we need to thank him. We need to bless his holy name. We say, yes, God, I'm under you. I'm under God. And we need to be blessed in that and be thankful for it. So the first thing I want to say is that we're under God. Under God. That's what the U in USA stands for. Uh, secondly, sacrifice. Notice it says, because of these mercies of God, because we're under God's mercy, <laughs> that's what it is, uh, that we present, you and me, uh, a living sacrifice. Now that word sacrifice is not very popular. It's not. But you gotta, you got to say, what does that mean? It means giving up something. It means giving up something that maybe you think a lot of. Maybe something that brings you comfort or fulfillment. Uh, that's what sacrifice means. You know, we've all had to, in some measure, sacrifice a little, don't you think, during this pandemic. But you know what? It's been like being, for me, it's been like being a rabbit in a briar patch, so to speak. It's been a greatest blessing I've seen in a long time. And I'll tell you why. I've given up some things that I used to think I couldn't do without. I mean, I just really enjoyed doing them. But you know what now? I don't want to do them at all. <laughs> I don't want to do them at all. I don't, I don't regret ever doing them, but I don't, I don't want to do them anymore. It's just amazing how that works. I, I think we're thinking about God more than we ever have, and we need to really, really appreciate that. But sacrifice is giving up something. It's, it's giving up your wants and your lust and your fleshly desires and your comforts. See, we're living in a world, though, I'm talking about the economy now, the world that doesn't live like that. You remember back in 2008, you know, when the housing market fell? You know, and what, what were people doing? They were, bankers were making loans, you know, or people didn't qualify for a loan. Everybody was just getting a bigger house. Couldn't afford it, but just get it, you know, you got it. They were just printing money, the government was. And same thing situation, you know, with the stimulus. You know, I was talking to a local banker here, and uh, he told me, you know, I know for sure uh, that there's people used the stimulus money, talking about businesses, and they're buying recreational vehicles. They're buying things. And said they're, they're not using it the way it's supposed to be used. Now, that's, he brought that up. I didn't. Uh, but I'm just saying, you know, it's always less, less don't sacrifice. But, you know, there's somebody has to pay. And we got to understand that. Now, the greatest, greatest sacrifice, and you know this too, that I'm so, so thankful for, Jesus Christ did for us, didn't he? 2,000 somewhat years ago. He sacrificed himself for you and me. Now, that's a sacrifice that paid all our sin debts. That's a sacrifice that Jesus did for you and me to bring us to God. That's the only way we can get there. But he did it. And he set a course for us. Now, we can't make that sacrifice ultimately because we don't have the ability. We don't have the righteousness that our Lord did. But I tell you what we can do. We can follow his pattern. And he's called us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. If that doesn't put sacrifice on the front burner, I don't know what will sacrifice giving up i mean it's hard to do i don't like it you don't either but that's a part of growing it's a part of of nurturing this spiritual life that god has given us through his mercy knowing and showing that we are under god that we are willing to make a sacrifice uh, for the lord 
and what a blessing that is in that way. Um, it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. It's not anything we ought not to do. We need to say, God's given us all, so what can we give God? It's right here. Give him your life. Give him, sacrifice all your things that you thought just had, you just had to have. It might be your American dream, whatever it is. You just pull it all out for God. Don't ever let anything come before you and God. Not your family, not your friends, or anything else. Now, here, here is a commitment that we must make to God. It's a consecration, so to speak, to God. Uh, that, we're to, that we're to sacrifice, make a living sacrifice. You know, I thought about David in the Old Testament. You remember when David sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan came to him and he told him what happened. David confessed that, but he did not present a living, uh, I mean a dead sacrifice. He presented a living sacrifice. And he said, oh God, he says, I have sinned against thee and against thee only have I sinned. See, God forgave him, but he brought a living sacrifice. And it goes on in Psalms 51 and David, uh, when that, in that prayer to God of his confession is about, oh God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You give it to me, God, and I will use it for your honor and for your, for your glory. And what a blessing that is and ought to be to us as we think about a sacrifice. Um, you know, what's, what means something in our life, the very metal of our life, the very... Uh, I guess the weightiness of our life, the influence, I guess you could say, would be your influence, your sacrifice rather. Sacrifice what you give up, what you give up in life for God. Now see, if you're going to help somebody and really help them that need help, you're going to have to give up something. You might have to give up some time. You might have to give up some resources. Whatever you have to give up, but it's a sacrifice. And it's, it's something that we need to be mindful of uh, as we're under God, that we're here in this United States of America, but it's not a, it's not a, a, free, a free meal. It is a sacrifice. It is something that, that we can't proclaim that, that, you know, we're victims and we, we got to have this. We deserve this. We, we don't deserve anything. What we need to understand is I want all this for God. I'm going to give this to God, and I'm going to give him this sacrifice in my life. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And then in verse 2, I think it's really the, the, the result of being under God and being willing to sacrifice now this is a decision you got to make but only god gives you the ability notice he's talking to people that have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb okay this is not just some academic stipulation that you're going to make god is really burdening our hearts and i think one of the reasons we're not enjoying god and 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 really benefiting for the great blessings of serving him right here is because we have not really been stirred up in our hearts and minds as we ought to, of knowing that we're under God and that this is about a sacrifice. What can I do because God has done so much for me? How can I give my life to God? See, so many times, and this is not all bad, I guess, in a way, but as believers, we seem to want more of God. I mean, so let's go to this Bible study or let's go to this conference or or let's give this, that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Still do that. But here's the most important thing, if you're going to sacrifice, is knowing that really we have all of God we need. We have all of God. You can't get any more of God. If you're a believer, you know what I mean? He says in Ephesians 1, 3 that he's, we have, he's fulfilled all righteousness in Christ Jesus. What a blessing, what a joy that is to see that and bless God in there. So, so we can... We, though, can, can give ourselves to God in a sacrificial way, a living sacrifice. 
Um, you know, the, the Second Thessalonians, uh, there's a verse there where the apostle talks about the people, the men there gave themselves to the Lord and then to the church. And that is the order of it. But what happens there when we do that, and this is the missing link, at least it ha has been for me, because I feel like I've given up so little. I, I mean, you know, I'm supposed to be a preacher, but man, I'm just, I guess I'm just sorry in so many ways. I really feel that. Um, when you think about the great urgency that we have now for, for God to help us and bless us and to understand that I'm to thinking about what God has done for me, how he saved me and forgiven me, my goodness, what, what is too much to ask of this little sinner, you know, that, that I would present my body a living sacrifice, um, that my body is God's. Your body is God's. 1 Corinthians 6, you know, we, we do all for the glory of God, and our body is God's. Our mind, our will, our soul, we sacrifice to God. But bringing that in verse 2, and be not conformed, see, here's the results of it, to this world. What we have to deal with now, the struggle, I believe, is the pull that we get from the world, this outside force. And it's kind of, it's so big, it's kind of like Niagara Falls, if you will. It's, it's such a force, you couldn't stop that water. You can't stop the influence of the world upon your mind. You, you don't understand. I mean, I, I can't figure it out. I know you probably can't, but it's there. It's, it's something we don't think about, but we're being conformed. We're in the midst of a cultural shift, and it ought not to be. And so now may God help us as we see that we're under God, as we see that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, that, that we see the A, and this is the USA. What does I say uh, uh, under God, sacrifice, altar, A-L-T-A-R, altar. You know what an altar is? An altar is a place that you're consecrated to God, okay? An altar is like you're acknowledging you've had an encounter with God, okay? It's kind of like Noah, when the floodwaters receded, what did he do? He built an altar. All over the Old Testament, you see lots of altars being built. Uh, these were built by people when they had an encounter with God. And it showed that, that listen, I'm going to make this consecration. I'm going to consecrate this to God. So be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. See, here's the deal. What we need is not conformity to the world, but being transformed. How does that happen? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here's why we need this, and here's why I wanted to incorporate this in a patriotic theme, so to speak. When I was reading this little book and reading other places on the national monuments and all, you can see, without, without any uh, discrepancy, the need of virtue for a nation to survive. What I mean by virtue is moral goodness. Once that's taken away, then everything crumbles. And that's what we see in our nation today. We see the, the moral integrity eroding. Now, the morals, now you can, you can be a good person without having God, but you can't, you can't satisfy the righteousness that only God can give you. See, you have imputed righteousness by the blood of Christ. God has given you that. And so when we have that virtue, that integrity, that character, that moral character within our nation that is most, most needed and most uh, uh, gathered from God, from a religion that embraces the Christian faith, uh, that is biblical. That's what Abraham Lincoln said as we just saw a quote that if you read the Bible, it'll make you a better person. That's what transferred your mind. Now, it's not... And not again, it's not a human way. It is the Holy Spirit within you that makes that transformation. It's like a, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. But nothing in that butterfly has done that. It's just the, the metamorphosis of the process. So when we present our bodies a living sacrifice, when we're under God and we've been recipients of his mercy and his grace, then we see the change that comes about us. And it's, it's really in two ways, I see. I see the Holy Spirit certainly has a work. You see the Holy Spirit, you feel that Him in your life. And then you have the Word of God, this Word of God that 
changes us and brings us to appreciate God in his grace. That's why the psalmist says, 119 verse 11, David said, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the more of God's word we put in our heart, the more that we see our need of God and how our lives are changed and consecrated in our ways. And what a blessing that is. So when you see this, it really deals with being purposeful in our life. To have a, a commitment, a consecration uh, to God. It's bringing it to God. That's what your altar is. Um, that you come to God and you say, yes, God, I want this to be a time I remember that you have blessed me and I want to serve you. Because of your mercy, I want to present everything that I thought was important, just give it to you. Now, you can be sure of this. It's not like you'll be giving up everything you like in life because God will give it back to you. I have been able to realize that in my little life. You start giving these things that you really enjoy in life and you really put them up on God's altar and you just lay them out there and say, God, now if this is something that can honor you, if this is going to glorify you, then, oh, Lord, I want to use it. But if it's not, you just take it away. I'm going to tell you, God will give it back to you. God will bless you in ways, I'm going to tell you. But you've got, you got to understand that this altar is a commitment. You might be a young person. Here's another area. I think it works, though. I'm talking about a transformed mind. I'm talking about a change. You might be a young single person, and you might say, well, you know, as a Christian, and you know from what God says and what you've been taught, that you're going to save uh, your body, your virginity for marriage. All right, you're going to face some static with that in this world today. So what you got to do, you got to make up your mind. You got to make up your mind, and you got to depend on God to help you. Don't you wait till you get in the heat of temptation and then say, well, you know, because you won't be able to you won't be able to fight it all. You won't. So you you do like Daniel. You know, when Daniel was taken in captivity in the Old Testament, uh, what did he say? He purposed. He made a purpose in his heart that he would not partake of the king's meat. In other words, he wasn't going to be a part of what the world said. Now, the thing about it in that little episode or example I just gave you, if you're a girl and you make that call, your boyfriend might not invite you out to another date. That's a sacrifice you've got to make. Or the guys would be the same way. It's, not, it's the way it is. But I'm going to say, we've got to see this and we've got to make up our minds. I think too long... Christians in the world today have been so complacent and we get just letting the government, see we're not under the government, listen to me now, we're not under the we're under God, we're, under the, we're not under the government, now we're to respect our government and we're to understand that it comes from God, but we're not under the government, we're under God and that's how we need to be, uh, we don't need to let the government tell us everything, we need to be under God and so we need to Bless God in that and rejoice in that. But we need to say, as Christians, we're going to be trying to live what God's called us to do. And that's going to cause us to be living sacrifices. We're going to have to make up our minds. We're going to have to say, I'm going to give this to God. This altar, I'm going to come right to God. I'm going to consecrate my life, my family, my, my vocation, my uh, recreation, whatever it might be. And we got to be willing to say, now, God, if it's my best interest and for your glory to take that away from me, you take it. You just take it. Because I'm going to tell you, God will use it. And he always works things out for your good and his glory. Always remember that. It's a great blessing of God. But, but here's the thing. It brings us much peace and joy when we're really able, by his grace, to die daily to God and see the Christian life is a daily life it's not a one-time deal it's a daily life it's continuing to, to fight the good fight of faith to understand the outside pressure will try to mold us into the world and so the world is good at that so we as believers need to understand that God has given us he says he that was in you is greater than he's in the world that's the Holy Spirit that's in your heart. That's the Lord Jesus. So it needs to continue to mold you and, and shape you, not to the world, but to Christ's likeness, okay? And so what a blessing that is and what a joy that will be to, to see that. And it says, that ye may prove. Now here's the end of it. USA, under God, sacrifice on the altar. 
that you may prove and, and acceptable, well, that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of us want to know the will of God? Don't we all? You know, I've heard people say, well, Brother Randy, I said, I want the will of God. I mean, I've struggled with that too. And I'll tell you what I found. I want to share this with you. I bet you have too. You ever tried to drive a car or a vehicle? You ever tried to turn the steering wheel when it was sitting still? No running, not even running? It's hard to do it. So it is in our Christian life. When we get to moving, you know, God says, he's given us nothing in the world. We could get, you know, he says, how to live. He says, don't lie and steal and cheat, those kind of things. I mean, worship God is the ultimate thing, worship God. And, and you and I cannot worship God without presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. No matter how big the church is, no matter how big the choir is, what matters is what's your heart. No, what matters is your motive, okay? And we have the mercy of God since we're under God. That is all the motive. Now, you know, we don't know what this world's going to be like. The biblical indication is it's going to get a lot worse. So what are we going to do? We can either be afraid or we can be ready. We can be prepared. These two verses, I trust, will prepare us. What it's going to say is, are you willing to make a sacrifice? Are you willing to deal with the resistance that's going to come from this world system? And are you willing to do it in love? And are you willing to do it in a way that you want to promote the Lord Jesus and the gospel? And that you want to help as many people as you can in understanding the truth of God's word in your life. So we can see that and we can bless God in it and thank him for it. But, but anyway, we don't know what's going to happen. The world is continually putting pressure on us to conform. And so what I'm going to try to say as we think about it, let's rejoice in what God has given us in this great nation. This platform he's given us to serve him. And to, uh, to thank him for the, certainly the mercy in our own personal lives, wherever your church, family, my goodness, what a blessing, what a rejoice, reason to rejoice and serve the Lord, even in the midst of the resistance and the, the need we have of him. You know, the, God's word, his Holy Spirit, he transforms us. He makes us different. He makes us like he wants us to be. We know his will when we get started. Do the little things that we know to do, and as we go about it, we'll know his will. He'll, he'll maneuver us through the right paths of life. I'm convinced of that. And you know what? Sometimes we get on the wrong path. We're like sheep. We do get astray. But God is so faithful. He's the great shepherd of our life. I want to ask you to stand before we have the hymn, Kathy, if you don't mind. Would you join me in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America? And remember that two little words under God as we say it together, okay? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Thank you very much.